1: Father, thank you so much for your word. What a great word it is to us because you're a great God, and so therefore your word is great. And Lord, we know that this word has the power to change us, and we want that power to be used by you, to change us through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Genesis chapter 24, verse 28. And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man, unto the well. And it came to pass when he saw the earring and the bracelets upon his sister's hands. And when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and room for the camels. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels, and water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told mine Aaron. And he said, Speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant. And the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maidservants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master, when she was old unto him, that he hath, and him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thus shalt thou not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my father's house, and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son." And I said unto my master, peradventure, the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife from my son of my kindred and of my father's house. Then shalt thou be clear from my oath when thou comest to my kindred. And if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. And I came this day unto the well and said, O Lord God of my master, if thou do prosper my way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of the water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray, thee, the little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say." "...to me both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath pointed out from my master's son. And before I had done speaking in mine heart, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down into the well and drew water. And I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from her shoulder, and said, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank, and she made the camels drink also." And I asked her and said, whose daughter art thou? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom milcha bare unto him. And I put the earring upon her face, which really is the word nose ring, but anyway, and the bracelets upon her hands, and I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And now, if you'll deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand to the left. Okay, now, in our last studies, we began to look at how remarkable Eliezer was as a model of a faithful servant. That's what he is. He's a faithful faithful servant and we saw him as he took his oath from abraham he took that oath very seriously he gave it a deep consideration in his heart of what might happen he was thinking what about if the bride's not willing as he took this oath from abraham and he was just a hundred when he was finished when he walked out of abraham he was a hundred percent clear-cut committed and there was just going to be no turning back no turning back for Eliezer. So we've been with Eliezer since he left Abraham and we've seen how Abraham was was no longer with Eliezer, but God had not left him alone. So God was with Eliezer and Eliezer comes to that well and we watched him as he lifts up his heart to God. He knew exactly who he was praying to. He said, it's the God of Abraham, my master, that I'm addressing. And in that picture, we see here a good example for a Christian who leaves his Christian home and goes off to a secular campus. I was thinking of David this morning out there at San Diego State University and he's on campus for God and David's parents are are, are not with him. Although Jim would like to be with him, but he's not with him. But David's alone out there on that campus. But God's with David on that campus of San Diego State. And that's what we see with Eliezer here. Eliezer has had to deal with problems one by one as they've come up without Abraham, but with God. And he's got God with him, and he's dealing with these problems. And what we've seen with with Eliezer is that this man, Eliezer, he's just coming up against one obstacle after another. And as he does, you know, he's out there. He's got to get a bride, mission impossible for Isaac. He's got to find the bride. And so we saw in verse 11 how Eliezer is quick on his feet. And that's the characteristic of Eliezer. He's quick on his feet and he thinks on his feet and he comes with these ideas and he comes up with the idea that he'll just go to the town well when the women go out to draw water. Smart man, that Eliezer. Then there was the obstacle when he got to the town well of being so out of place. He was the only man out there as the women came out to draw water. And so we saw in verse 12, how Eliezer, again, he's quick on his feet. And he cries out to God in verse 13 with his famous, Behold, I stand at the well prayer. Like, a, you know, he can say, Behold, I'm a fish out of water here. And the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And so we saw in verse 14 how Eliezer, again, he's really quick on his feet here. And he makes this proposal to God of how he's going to approach what his approach is gonna be, how he's gonna come to the candidate bride with his give me water to drink and he's gonna give the bride the camel test, you know? And if she offers to give water to the camel, then that's the gal. And so we saw in verse 15 how Eliezer had this obstacle of not even being able to finish his prayer when suddenly, you know, Miss Middle East appears, you know, beautiful Rebecca with this stunning beauty that he talks about, wholesome beauty. And so we saw in verse 17 how again he's quick on his feet. He doesn't stutter at her beauty, <laughs> but he throws himself right into the plan. And so we saw then in verse 22 how Eliezer really he did get flustered and he got a little bit ahead of himself and he gave this golden it says earring, but you know when the King James people translated this, they thought you know nose ring sounds like a heathen in Africa or something a you know, nose ring, so they said no earring, but really it was nose ring. Anyway gives the golden nose ring and the bracelets before he even found out if she was part of of Abraham's family. Hey Eliezer, what are you doing giving away the gold nose ring and the earrings before you find out if you've got one from Abraham's family? Now those gold nose rings and earring bracelets, they don't grow on trees. But anyway, we saw in verse 22 how Eliezer was quick on his feet. He recovered from jumping the gun. And he asked, whose daughter are you? And if he could stay at her house. And then in verse 24, we heard Eliezer go, that was a close one. As she said, she was from Abraham's family. So, so God helped him. And then in verse 26, he bows his head. He worships God. He thanks God for just helping him, helping him, just leading him, helping him in his being led, helping him when he jumped the gun. And then last week, We saw in verse 29, this new obstacle that all of a sudden is right in Eliezer's face. And this is the Rebecca had a brother, you know, the brother obstacle, not just any brother. this This is the Laban brother obstacle. And Laban, the brother, is going to throw a lot of obstacles in Eliezer's path there. And we're going to see how Eliezer, with one obstacle after another, he does exactly the same thing. He's quick on his feet. He comes up with an idea. When we read this history, which is the longest chapter in Genesis chapter 24, when we read this chapter, what we're really seeing here is Eliezer as an effective football player on the field. He's just carrying the ball down the field and He dodges this player, and he jumps over that player. He's just so quick on his feet there. And in verse 30, he's faced with this problem, which he sees, of the Laban factor, and Laban is coveting what Eliezer had in those bags, what you got in those bags, you know. And he's watching, and he sees Laban just salivate over this gold nose ring and bracelets on his sister's hands. And so here again, Eliezer's quick on his feet, and immediately he resolves I'm not giving anything to Laban, but I'll talk about the riches. I'll talk about them, and I'm not giving him anything until he agrees to give up his sister. No bride, no gifts strategy. And so you'll see, we'll see in verse 51 that once Laban said, behold, Rebekah is before thee, take her and go and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord had spoken, that then in verse 53, Eliezer opens up the bag and gives jewels and precious things to Laban and her mother. We back up now in verse 33, and we see this obstacle, and there was meat set before him to eat there was meat set before Eliezer for him to eat that's a big temptation It would be for me I mean because Eliezer he's been on a long journey he's tired so are his men and now he's got this new obstacle in verse 33 of there's meat not just talking about meat not just cooking meat but they've set it right there before him to eat This is a big temptation. And so we saw in verse 33 how Eliezer, again, he's quick on his feet, and he recognizes that the meat that was set before him to eat is an obstacle. So immediately he says, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And so at the end of verse 33, there was the new obstacle, so to speak, set in his path where speak on. Speak on, Obstacle, because that was a temptation there for Eliezer as the focus is really put on Eliezer now, like we're all listening to you, take the stage, that he was faced with the temptation of just basking a little bit in the sunlight of this popularity. I mean, after all, this was, he was now the VIP. He's never been this before. He was the VIP of the meeting. And so it was a temptation for him to talk about himself. But we saw in verse 34 how Eliezer, again, he's quick on his feet. He recognizes the danger, the temptation of talking about himself, focus on himself. So immediately, he identifies in verse 34 with this, with the I am Abraham's servant statement. Now, when Eliezer got into Rebekah's house, he could see this new obstacle in his way that he hadn't anticipated which was the family is not going to let Rebecca go. He hadn't thought about that. And he said to Abraham, peradventure, the woman will not, you know, follow me. I mean, Eliezer, he thought, I think I got all the peradventures covered here, you know. But he hadn't thought about the peradventure, the family will not be willing to let the bride go. Or the peradventure of Laban, the pain in the neck, you know, that will not be willing to let the bride go. And then what? So here's a whole new obstacle that's in Eliezer buddy boy's way here. So again, true to form, Eliezer, he's quick on his feet and he says that Abraham told him in verse 41, notice the words what he said, then, verse 41, shalt thou be clear from this my oath when thou comest to my kindred and if they give thee not one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. Oh boy, you gotta hand it to Eliezer here. He is quick on his feet. I mean, give that man the Academy Award for this performance. What Eleazar said here, let's just do a little fact check on <laughs> what he said. We look back and we ask the question, just exactly what did Abraham say to Eliezer in verse 8? Well, what did he say? What did he actually say in verse 8? If the woman, what? If the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Okay. So this is the verse eight quick fact check. And it shows that Abraham said that he would be clear if the woman was not willing to follow Eliezer, right? But quick on his feet, you got a hand to Eliezer. He stretches that fact a little bit to tell them in verse 41 that actually Abraham said what? Then thou shalt be clear from this my oath when thou comest to my kindred, if they give not thee one. Thou shalt be clear from my earth, my oath. Oh, Eliezer, buddy boy. That's a little bit of a stretch from what Abraham was saying. You are clear if the woman is not willing. You're clear, but it didn't say anything about the family not willing. So I don't know if that holds up to the fact check. I'll leave that for you. We're going to hand it to Eliezer because he's so quick on his feet. So why did Eliezer change the facts here of what Abraham said for him that would get him off the hook from being free from the oath? He's free and he's off the hook if the woman's not willing, which is what Abraham said to Eliezer. And then Eliezer fabricates this, that he's free and off the hook if the family's not willing. He doesn't tell them that Abraham has said, now don't you come back unless you have a bride, (laughs) unless the bride's not willing to come because that would put him in a very weak bargaining position and he probably wouldn't get the bride but Eliezer thinks if I tell them that all I have to do is go back to Abraham and say you know what the family wasn't willing and then I'm free I'm off the hook no skin off my back I'm ready to walk away without a bride no problem so you know just go ahead and tell me that you're not willing to give me the bride and and I'll leave with all my jewels and precious things you know that I was going to give you, you know, (laughs) it's Eliezer, he's quick on his feet, new obstacle. And then we saw in verse 55, that when it's time to go, Laban throws this new, he didn't think about this, this new obstacle in Eliezer's path, well, wait a minute now, just let the damsel abide with us, a few days, at the least 10, and after that she'll go. And so, you know, Eliezer, he's got Laban's number, and so he knows that the few days, maybe 10 means 10 years. But again, we see Eliezer, he's quick on his feet. What's he gonna do? He's already given the jewels. That card's gone. The jewels and the precious things are already gone. So what's he gonna do? He's quick on his feet and he pulls the God card. And he says to Laban, you know, if you hinder me, you are hindering God. He said, you know, and if you see in verse fifty-five, he presses him and he says, Send me away to my master. So again, he's quick on his feet. When he does, he knows when he should put his foot down and say, Enough's enough. I need to go. And draw this accusation in verse 56 that Laban is hindering Eliezer and hindering therefore God. So what we've seen in all this is a lesson for us that what we've seen in Eliezer, the football player moving down the field and he encounters one obstacle after another and he never thought of these and he's quick on his feet and he comes up with this new plan and this he's quick to execute the plan and he's dodging obstacles and jumping over obstacles. That's a lesson for us because God wants us to be like Eliezer. I'm not sure about the stretching the truth part. You have to ask the Sunday school class staff. but anyway. But he's got both eyes open, Eliezer does. He's got all his radars out. He's monitoring every player in the house, and he's quickly assessing the situation, seeing the obstacles. He's thinking of new strategies. He's executing them, and God's helping him all along the way. And we may start out our day or some trip or some project, and we feel like you know, we're like the pioneers Lewis and Clark. We're hacking out some brush and all of a sudden there's this, some unexpected ferocious animal growling at us or some unexpected swamp or some cliff and God is saying to us, think, think what you're gonna do and then do it and I'll help you. And the fact that after all these obstacles in Eliezer's way, that in the end, Eliezer actually leaves with the bride, that's miraculous. That's just really miraculous. All right, verse 33 is really important when he says, I will not eat. And we can just picture this scene as we said before wonderful meat set out before him. He hasn't seen this in a long time. He's so hungry, and yet he says, I will not eat. It shows here how Eliezer, as a servant, has this unrestrained eagerness to reach his goal. He's got this goal in mind the goal that was given to him by Abraham get the bride. And he's just, he's got this eagerness that's not going to be restrained. He's focused. You know, I was thinking about this, and, and it reminded me of my stepfather. My stepfather was Ezra Goodman, very Gentile name, Ezra Goodman. <laughs> and one day he was working for his brother, Eli. And Eli had the used bookstore on Melrose Avenue in Los Angeles called Cosmopolitan Bookstore where there were so many books, there were just everywhere. I don't think the fire marshal ever thought about walking in there. I mean, if he did, nobody knew where all those books were. There were huge stacks, you know. One day, I remember he said, I found this book and he sent me an original copy of Lang's commentary in Genesis from the 1800s. And he had a warehouse with a million more books in it. And Eli, he never got married because he lived in the bookstore. See? He slept among the books, Eli did. And at night, Eli would just walk among the books and then he would learn where the books were. No wonder Eli never got married, right? He was the only one who knew where all these books were. So when customers came into the Cosmopolitan bookstore, you had to find Eli if you wanted to find a book. They were just raised, Ezra and Eli were raised among books because their father was a publisher, a book publisher in Manhattan, and so they were just raised with these books. Ezra, my stepfather, was an author. He wrote books. So they loved books. Ezra was a very intense person. He was much more intense than his brother Eli. Eli was a little more laid back. But Ezra, when he got into a project, Ezra was just unstoppable. And Eli told me one time when Ezra decided to go and give a little help to Eli to organize some of his books in his bookstore, you know. And so (laughs) they were working together, Ezra and Eli. And it got to be lunchtime. And so Eli says to Ezra, uh, Ezra, he says, I think we can stop and grab a bite to eat. You know? And then Eli told me how shocked he was when Ezra snapped back to him and said, no, Eli, we're not going to eat, he says, until these books have been organized. Eli says, okay, okay, we'll just keep working. You know? <laughs> so when they told Eliezer, you know, why don't you stop and grab a bite to eat here, all this meat, then like Ezra, Eleazar then snaps back in verse 33 with his famous I will not eat statement. So both my stepfather and Eleazar, anyway, the goal for them both was paramount. It was what was in their sight. It was, it was paramount. Food was not going to get in the way of the goal. They had this unrestrained eagerness to reach the goal. Nothing was going to get in the way. So Eliezer's offered meat. He says, I've got something more important now to do than to eat meat. With my hunger now, you might see me now just dive into this meat in front of me and like a hungry dog with a meaty bone, that's what you maybe think. But I'm just as intense... And I'm just as diving in as that hungry dog with the meaty bone, but it's just not this meat. Does that remind you of some event in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, I have meat to eat that you know not of. You might want to turn to it, John 4, 31 through 35, because it's the same thing. It's the same spirit here that we've seen with Eliezer and with uh, Ezra. And you know, it says here in John 4, 31 through 35, it says, that uh, you know, we know this passage here, John four. Is it the woman at the well, Samaritan woman, a woman who's lived a very sordid life, had five husbands, has a man now that's not even her husband. It's amazing, and he's so intent on this woman, as defiled as she is. He says. Now, at the end of speaking with her, the disciples said, "You know, Master, can we grab a bite to eat?" <laughs> he says. In the meanwhile, while his disciples prayed him, saying, "Master, eat," but he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. I have meat to eat that you know not of. In other words, he's saying, I will not eat, just like Eliezer. Therefore, said the disciples one to another, what meat? Had any man brought him ought to eat? And Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Which I think is what you were thinking of, Ken, when you were saying, you know, the father's business. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, they are white already to harvest. So in, in this verse thirty-one, when they say master eat, that's equivalent to Genesis twenty-four thirty-three, where it says, And there was meat set before him to eat. And then in verse 32, when the Lord Jesus says, I have meat to eat that you know not of, that's equivalent to Genesis 24, where Eliezer says, I will not eat. And then in verse 34, when the Lord Jesus says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work, that's equivalent to Genesis 24, where Eliezer says, I will not eat until I have told mine errand."
0: Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James study and reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible's scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible Scripture References section, Bible Reference Help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org.